0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Adjust Your Lenses podcast. Today is yet another great day for you to be joining me. As always, I am your host. My name is Samuel. I'm here to speak with you as we unpack, uncover, and discover truths. Then we restore, replenish, and rebuild each other as we continue to do what? Adjust our lenses. (laughs) Today is already a great day because you are here listening I invite you to do a quick self-check of where your lens is right now and consider what is influencing your line of sight and vision. All right, let's get to it. Man, I'm really excited about this episode, especially because it's talking about one of my new favorite topics, depression. Yeah, I said it. Depression has become one of my new favorite topics to discuss, talk about, learn about, lean into, read up on. I mean, the whole nine. I'm talking about depression, y'all. You know why? Cause it's a real thing, and until we treat it like it's a real thing, it's gonna continue to have power over how we think, relate, understand, perceive, act, acquire, restore, rebuild, address, and instill. Woo! I saw as brown people, black people making the world better. Psych, like, nah. All jokes aside, but nah, no jokes though. <laughs> yeah, we just concluded Black History Month, right? And uh, PSA. P.S.A. Public Service Announcement. Black history is every month. Period. Okay, but shout out to Carter G. Woodson for starting what was originally called Negro History Week in 1926 approximately and then turned it into Black History Month In about 1976, because, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, it's important to celebrate us. Not but for real, though. How did we allow such a common thing to become so taboo? You know, the idea of restorative practices is attributed to the Maori tribe in the Pacific. You know, the Pacific Ocean, right? Um, Based out of New Zealand, specifically. See, they people are called, they brown. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying they, they part of that But For those in the back, in the front, in the side, in the middle In the balcony, in the basement Black history is every breath you take It's every thought that you have Every move you make Including the ones that you thought of making But you didn't And the ones you ain't even made yet Trust and believe When I say Black history Is every month And that's on solid, as the young people say, (laughs) period, point blank, end of story. That's it. That's all. I remember growing up, like, old heads, like the the elders in the tribe would actually take the young kids or whatever, and they would, like, gather them around and tell them stories, right? Well, guess what? What also used to happen is, is that we would get to see sometimes when there was a quarrel, you know, that's old English, quarrel, <laughs> What well, there was a problem in society or in the town or whatever case may be. And two people are coming, you know, going against each other, right? And so what would happen is they would put these two people together, right? They would try to settle it by literally restoring the harm. So the person who is actually harmed, right, will get a chance to talk Say their piece, or whatever case may be. The elders would kind of like, you know, be there to kind of sort of monitor the conversation. The person who's doing the harm will get to say their piece, right? You know what I'm saying? The elders gather around. Everybody gets to talk, say whatever it is that they need to say, and then everybody comes to an agreement on how it's going to be resolved. And that resolution is agreed on by both parties, the harmed and the harmee, right? And that's restorative practices. Now, 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 here's the thing. That's not just the only way restorative practices is practiced, right? Like, it's not the only way it's used, but it ain't new. It ain't new. But shoot, let some, uh, you know, you know the song I'm talking about. <laughs> let them tell it. Restorative practices, the hottest thing since sliced bread, repackaged with non-melanated faces next to it monetized because, of course, if it ain't attached to that coin, it ain't right. And boom, let's sell it to some uh, underserved, minoritized, over Um, Let's fill their neighborhoods with drugs, guns, create systems like the cash bail, knowing they ain't got it, trump up charges to the exponential power, give liquor licenses and kill their bodies with every type of garbage can, food, make it a food desert, don't give businesses to them, but to everyone else so that their money don't recycle and recycle and recycle. Good Lord, keep forcing, force-feeding them that whiteness, that white privilege, that white supremacy, and that white Eurocentric curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to profit off their conditions and be like, hey, look, we're here to save you. We're here to do good. We're here to make and celebrate the rose that grew from the concrete but completely ignore the fact that we are complicit And the fact that the concrete sits on the bed of roses. That was a mouthful, y'all. And yeah, for those wondering right now, like, oh, oh. Did he woo us in with all that smooth talk in the first three episodes? Just so we can listen and he can make it this? Adjust your lenses. I'm not here to pacify you. And I definitely did say that it's 1% changes that make up the whole sum. And the occasional big ones, right? Yeah. So, uh, just them things. <laughs> and no, no, no. No jokes, but for real, though. We ain't here to do the same old, same old. And get participation trophies. That's dead. If you ain't about this true allyship. To conspirator work. That word always trips me up. <laughs> Cold conspirator life. You're a part of the problem. And that's cool. You know. That, that's, that's cool. You know what I'm saying. As long as you're ready to admit it. And do something about it. 1% changes. Okay back to depression so y'all got me fired up for a second um guess what guys depression is normal it's normal in fact it's so normal that i decided to take a look back at some of our favorite heroes and guess what i ain't had to dig that far y'all i mean because uh martin you know brother martin And I ain't talking about Martin and Gina Martin, right? I ain't talking about Martin Payne. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. You know, the one that white people and people of color like to quote. I think like Martin ain't say, the riot is the language of the unheard. He did say, uh, guess what, y'all? We coming to get our check. If you know what that means, if you ain't seen that speech, if you haven't heard it, look it up. What did Martin Luther King say? We coming to get our check. Yeah, that was right before they killed him, where he had organized a whole march in Washington. For, now I'm going to read a snippet from a letter from a Birmingham jail. He says, First, I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in a stride towards freedom is not the white citizens' council or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time. I agree with you in the goal that you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. Raise your hand if you've heard that one time or two. Both hands are up right now. Who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Whew who lives by the myth of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. See, then he goes to say, shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Now you might be like, um... Yeah, I know that sounds kind of deep and everything like that, but how does that mean that he was actually depressed? Listen, if you followed Martin Luther King for the 13 years that he was fighting this good fight before he got took out, right before he turned 40, I think he was like, what, 38? I mean, that man was young. He definitely went through some valleys, but we really only focus on the peaks. And guess what? We all do. It's normal. Oh, uh, what about Brother Malcolm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 he had it as well. You could tell. Especially doing the type of work that they was doing. It's impossible not to have some sort of depression. So y'all remember? Maybe you don't. But there was a point where Brother Malcolm was out of the nation of Islam because he no longer agreed with the followings and the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. See, y'all don't sleep. I told y'all I was a Christian. I ain't told y'all I was a dummy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he actually dipped and dipped to Africa for a long time, right? He took, took some time off and just was like, all right, I need to go meet with some African leaders, figure out what's going on over there because their struggle and our struggle is kind of similar. He did that. And then he took a pilgrimage to Mecca. And it was then that he saw the light. And he said it when he came back, that he basically found himself again. He had to recenter himself. And guess what, y'all? When he came back, see, he said he'd never known or seen so many Muslims worshiping that were of all races and colors. See, by the end of his life, he had started to see things a little different. Shoot, he even had a meeting with Coretta Scott King. Martin, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't too happy about that part. What am I saying? Sometimes, even the greats like Malcolm X need time to go and find themselves, recenter themselves, see something different, unlearn. Yeah. Depression comes in all forms, y'all. We just don't have to call it that all the time. But it's okay to call it that. Because it's normal. See, it's... um, Women's Month, you know what I'm saying? So, of course, I got to talk about the ladies, you know? So, did y'all really, really think that uh, Zora Neale Hurston and them didn't go through depression? Like, trying to make black women's rights inclusive to the women's suffrage rights in the, like, 1910s and 1920s and stuff? Y'all really think that? I mean, come on. The women's suffrage movement wasn't inclusive. It was exclusive to white women. Because white women were pissed. Because black men got the right to vote before they did. Y'all think, y'all really, really think that Madam C.J. Walker just became the known first black, and I said known, yes, I said known, first black woman millionaire in the United States? No. See, what we know for sure, for sure, is that the ideas, the creations, the discoveries, and inventions of enslaved Africans, yes, I said enslaved, we need to stop calling people slaves. They were enslaved were taken by their white enslavers because they were considered property. So they didn't actually get credited with their ideas, their creations, their discoveries, and their inventions. But yeah, you know, I mean, y'all don't think Rosa Parks and Angela Davis and, shoot, even Coretta Scott King. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. See, we get so siced, so siced by the peaks we forget the valleys man you don't climb a mountain from the top you climb it from the bottom adjust your lenses see we celebrate them as these larger than life figures right but there were people with real lives and emotions right and it's like this friends should know and see your depth right not just when you're at the mountaintop moments But we tend to use that term friend very, very loosely. See, your friends should be able to see, been able to see and know, right, just what you are and how you look. Not just all the time when you're hype, right? We want to put our best foot forward with our images on social media and all that kind of stuff. Nah, nah, that ain't right. That ain't real. Your friends should be able to tell you like, hey, man, listen, I seen you ain't, you know, something's going on. You seem different. You know what I mean? You've been kind of off lately. Like, are you good? You don't got to be like, man, fam, I'm, I'm depressed. Oh, hey, girl. Yeah, you know, I'm depressed. No. That ain't what I'm saying. And if that's what it is, okay. Say that. And you should know that's okay. If they're your friend, they should be able to be like, yo, listen, boss, man, I got in trouble at work. I was going through it. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Like, that's that's how this works. And y'all might be like, well, why does everything about gotta be just a bad day ain't depression? Like, you know what I'm saying? You get into a situation, a car accident, that ain't depression. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. The point is, we've made it such a taboo thing. We've made it such a big deal that we don't even say the word. And when the word is heard, people miscategorize it completely. Okay, I'm going to take it a step further because y'all might be like, you know, that connection was kind of weak, right? I mean, you know, those those heroes like, eh, okay, cool. Well, guess what? In scripture, in the Bible, depression was real. <laughs> you see, one of my favorite and everyone's favorite scriptural quotes, Philippians 4.13 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that one, right? <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or depending on the version you read, who gives me strength. Yeah, yeah, that one. Well, guess what Paul was saying right there? I'm struggling a little bit here, y'all. And I need to reassure myself that no matter what the circumstance or situation, God got me, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, my man was depressed. Shipwrecked, jailed multiple times. In fact, a lot of his letters were written in prison. He was beaten, kicked out of cities and towns. He had death threats, having to escape. You name it. Oh, and uh, your boy David. My boy David, too. David actually is one of my favorite characters, too, right? Yeah, you know, the one we love to recite his Psalms and because they're also uplifting. And yeah, yeah, him, King David. My man was depressed. Guess what? He was hiding in caves and on the run from his own kids. He was living in the enemy's camp. He legit wanted to only survive. His kids took over his throne. That depression was real. He had to bury two of his sons. I mean, come on. What about Elijah? Man, my man was like, I'm out of here. No cap. (laughs) That's what the kids say, right? No cap? Yeah. See, he said, I'm up out of here. And he ran to hide in mountains. After his life was being threatened by Jezebel, he, had to, he actually asked God to take his life. He was like, oh, man, I'm out of here. Like, literally, I'm trying to be out of here. Oh, and uh, Jonah, same thing. My man said, Lord, kill me now. Moses. Yep. hmm The great Moses. He was depressed. Jeremiah. Oh, and ladies, again, it's Women's Month. I didn't forget about y'all. Naomi, depressed after she lost her husband and her two sons. Her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law Ruth. She was depressed, right? Because she lost her husband and lost her father-in-law. And then Hannah, right? Like, she was dealing with infertility. And she was being bullied by her husband's other wife. She was so depressed, man. She stopped going to the annual family trip. Eli thought she was tripping because she was praying to God in such a physical way. Like, she was praying with her whole body, right? But she wasn't saying no words. So he looked at her like, man, is you drunk? <laughs> but she was praying for a son. And that son's name is Samuel. Right. And she told God, she said, if if you would give me a son, because I've am i been barren, if you give me a son, he's going to live the rest of his life, all the days of his life in this temple. And Samuel ended up becoming the first judge of Israel. What about Sarah? I mean, Shorty didn't have no kids to like 90. And then the angel came and God came and was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah you're going to have a child." And he was she was laughing at him, laughing, literally laughing. Do you know how depressing that must have been? So depressing that you take your uh um uh, your servant girl and you say to your husband, "Here, go ahead and sleep with my my husband because we ain't got no kids around here." That must have been difficult. See, life is hard, y'all. But for real, it is. And what we got to understand is this. if this, this is why we have to normalize depression. Because it's been here before us and it's going to be here after us. Our job is to ensure that we set, create, and reinforce the conditions that we allow us for at best to manage and overcome it. And that the kids watching our every single move. Yes, they are watching us. They're watching everything you, you do. They don't carry they don't have to carry that same stigma that we carry with depression, and if they fall into it, they'll know exactly what to do. Some of us need to uh well, actually, <laughs> all of us need to look into our family tree to see what the obvious and not so obvious signs are. See, I mean for real, y'all like I know that sounds scary, but believe me, the more I learn, the more I'm like, oh. See, now that makes sense. And hey, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell y'all like about something that I'm not going to do or I ain't doing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I understand that's real sensitive. It's a huge topic. A lot of us don't want to learn certain things. But guess what? The more I learn, the more I'm like, uh, OK. Yep. I see. I see. This all makes sense now. I see why I used to be crazy like that. <laughs> See, in the black community, no matter where you were from in the diaspora, and I also would know this to be true, like, because in other communities of color as well, depression is such a real thing, but we sweep it under the rug. And we just be like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and pray about it. Yep, mm-hmm, And that's it. No. By the way, you know, just so folk know, most people in the Bible were of color, period. Jer- Jesus was not a white man. He did not have blonde hair or blue eyes. So, yeah, 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 like I was saying, we sweep it under the rug. We say, oh, I'm going to pray about it, and then that's it. It's like, um, nah, we got to pray about it, then go to therapy, go to counseling, see a psychiatrist, do whatever it takes. And no, 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 that don't mean that you're crazy. Specifically, I specifically use those examples in the Bible to prove a point. That ain't nothing new. Those people are considered heroes, and they are. Because you know what? They were depressed and they got the help that they needed. They made it so that it means I can and you can too. All right. I'm going to make this a little bit more personal. Because y'all probably like, okay, we get it. We get it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. In my 20s, I started to notice that every end of fall, I was struggling a little bit, right? I really couldn't put my finger on it because, I mean... I grew up in a sweep it under the rug kind of household. (laughs) Typical African, you know what I'm saying? We don't talk about these things and it's just all about the stigmatization and all that, you know? So I had that same mindset and mentality. I feel like, you know, ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm cooling. I'm just, you know, I just don't like winter because it's cold and it's dreary and it's dark. And then Philly winters used to be harsh, y'all. I mean, shoot. Then when I moved to Boston, oh my Lord. I remember the winter of 2014, that winter almost took your boy out. (laughs) Then I was like, Lord, 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 what's good? What's this all about? I mean, I peep that around the same time every year, I'm struggling, but what's going on? And for the most part, I ain't do nothing about it. I pretty much just eat myself away and, you know, drink more than I like to admit. And particularly in the sense that I wasn't really going out as much and you know, wasn't doing happy hours and hanging out with people and stuff like that. So I was basically trying to self-treat with other things. Oh, you get the point, right? I was a hot mess. I was struggling with this. And I chose not to do anything about it. See, now the truth is I had some conversations and things like that, but it wasn't enough for me. Uh, yeah. So a couple months back, I was listening to a sermon and the pastor was like talking about one of his therapy sessions where his therapist told him that he probably had S.A.D., S.A.D., Seasonal Affective Disorder. It's a form of seasonal depression. And he talked about the symptoms and his experiences. And I was like, whoa, um, that's me. Oh, 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 that's me too. Oh, snap, that's me for real. See, that was me. And I didn't want to admit it for a long time but that was me so I can sit here and pretend like it ain't but it is and the most important thing she told him now that you need to know is you can do something about it y'all depression is real it's normal and it comes in all forms you are not crazy I promise you you're not see in this crazy old world we live in with all these average childhood experiences we've had with this trauma gorging that we do on TV and social media on the news, we see in our society with this white supremacist reinforced overt covert racism that plagues our communities of color and especially black people all over the world. And in these United States, you best believe depression is normal. You ain't crazy. Nah, not at all. In fact, I think momentary depression is not the worst thing. Now, even go as far as to say depression dealt with in a healthy manner is a positive thing because guess what? You have a testimony. Your walking testimony. What we can't keep doing though is faking and sweeping it under the rug, y'all. We are our ancestors' wildest dream. Look, after the 2020 we experienced, I know for a fact that depression is rampant because guess what? I felt it. Most people felt it. And so did most people that they know. We have to destigmatize it. Getting help is a show of strength, not a show of weakness. Your mood changing when it gets dark and dreary don't mean that you're crazy. Knowing it is a good thing. Getting help is the better thing. And guess what? Putting those 1% changes in place, like exercising, waking up early and getting up and you know, getting uh, all the daylight, taking walks during the day, eating and drinking less during that time, spending time with people and less time alone, not being idle. For instance, like one of my friends has become a whole DIYer, like, you know, do it yourself, <laughs> you know, because she does everything herself. Like she's redecorating and building and doing all types of stuff, painting, drawing, coloring, like whatever you got to do. You know what I'm saying? Put your desk at home to face the window during the day. There's some upbeat music, journaling. That's been a big one for me. Like I've been journaling a lot. And of course, praying and meditating. It takes every and good and better And puts it all together. See, being our ancestors wildest dream ain't just about a few things. It's about how we adjust our lenses to things like normalizing depression, y'all. I ain't no doctor and I ain't no psychologist, but I can attest to this. Getting help and support about something, what that does to to start the healing process, okay? You know, I said starting, right? That's because healing is a process. And sometimes, most times, all the time, that's okay. Depression is normal. Let's keep adjusting our lenses, y'all. Thank you again for joining me on the Adjust Your Lenses podcast. It is always a pleasure to have you. I am honored and humbled by everybody who listens. (laughs) I look forward to hearing your feedback and your comments. Please, please, please hit that subscribe button. I invite you to keep adjusting your lenses as we continue on this journey to unpack, uncover, and discover truths and to restore, replenish, and rebuild each other. Until next time, peace and love.